0: hello everybody and welcome to the something something podcast my name is eric kasloff and with me as always larry sands how's it going larry
1: excellent (laughs) everything is excellent eric the the rains have finally started to fall on the heat wave known as summer in texas so it's great Mm. it's beautiful yeah
0: Yeah, Here in Jersey, it is 70 degrees and kind of cold. But Larry, we have two cool things I want to mention. By the time this episode goes up, we will be at (coughs) 191 episodes. Wow. Wow. Which means we are closer and closer to 200. And in a few days... We start recording the Spooktober shows.
1: Yes, that's going to be super cool. Super. The third
0: cool. annual Spook Spooktober. It is yes. usually, you know, ghost hunters, haunted locations. I bring on my horror YouTuber friends to yes. talk about favorite horror movies, Halloween memories. So yes,
1: absolutely, it's going to be gonna awesome. Be great. It's going to be a great spooky season.
0: Yes,
1: <laughs> uh, but actually, speaking of spooky season, Eric, really quick, where are we with our feature film,
0: Hillsboro Road? I was waiting to tell you this. <laughs> I'm editing the cute. I'm editing the cute ending. Oh,
1: the wow! Cute part. Yeah. Okay. All right. Save so yeah. the best
0: cute ending for the last. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's so. I when I got to it, when I. Edited the, uh, the, 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 I was like, oh my gosh, it's almost over. Right, right. I I got this bitter, sweet thing to me like, what do I do now when it's when I'm done editing? (laughs) I start the next project, but I can't because of
1: the unions. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Strikes. Thank you. Hey, you
0: know, there is a writer strike going on. Yes. And a writer is one of our guests. So Larry, tell everybody about our guest.
1: Yes, actually, <laughs> our, our guest for this episode is a writer. He wrote a book called The Stench of Politics, Polarization and Worldview on the Supreme Court, which everybody listening to this right now knows the Supreme Court is a hot button topic. And so I'd like to introduce our guest, doctor he is he's a professor at arizona state university dr joseph rusamano hi joe how are you
2: hi guys thanks very much for having me i really appreciate it Absolutely. thanks
1: for coming on uh, yes thank you for for coming on and you know as mentioned the supreme court right now is very hot button and i think it is no matter what side of the aisle you're on there's always some kind of hot button going on. Um, talk, talk a little bit, well, a lot about your book and what it's about.
2: Okay. Uh, uh, again, thank you uh, for having me and, and giving me this opportunity. Uh, I, I think maybe uh, where I might start is to explain the title. Yes. Uh, Since since you uh, shared with everyone what that title is, The Stench of Politics, this was inspired by Justice uh, Sonia Sotomayor uh, on the court. And during the oral arguments of the Dobbs abortion case, which I'm sure many people are familiar with, she wondered with regret uh, whether the Supreme Court would survive, as she called it, the stench created in the public perception that the Constitution and its reading are just political acts, as she put it. Uh, and in fact, we have seen that the public's opinion of the Supreme Court is plummeting, and it's been plummeting for a while. And the primary reason is exactly the what Justice Sotomayor expressed concern over, and that is that the court more and more and more seems to be driven by politics and political ends, and not the kind of justice that we used to think that the court was all about. Right, right, and and originally, because
1: now in your book, how far? Okay, so this is a creative podcast, right? We yeah. obviously talk about talk to authors and musicians and filmmakers. And I don't think we've ever had a real opportunity to dive into getting into the political side because obviously we want we kind of
0: We're apolitical
1: yeah, on this show, yeah, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and and this is really a great opportunity for not only Eric and I, but really the the people that that love our podcast to listen and really find out what the Supreme Court was really supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. Do you go back in your book that far as to explain it?
2: Uh, not a lot. I mean, there it, there are some roots uh, that extend uh, to the origins and, and, and constitutional uh, explanations, but it's uh, overwhelmingly a contemporary uh, look, uh, particularly with a focus on, not the most recently completed term, but but the one prior to that.
1: And and what has been because you have and I was just reading um, on on the the website where I believe your book is published, right? The publisher, which uh, mm-hmm. links will be in the description. Yes. But um, originally. And correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the true expert on this. But um, the the Supreme Court was there to be apolitical and really look at law the way. How does that work? To wait, where did it come from and how did it start? I think that's a good place to start yeah. in order to understand where you're coming from, where it is now, I think, because there's a great
2: divide, right? Sure. Absolutely, there there is now, uh, and, and I agree with with your description that uh, initially and really for most of its history, uh, the court was uh, neutral, objective. Al- although I, I I often make a distinction uh, these days between neutrality and objectivity, and maybe we can get into that later. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, but but the uh, the idea was was for that court, the Supreme Court, to be as the cliche goes, the court of last resort, the 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 highest rung on the hierarchy of courts uh, in in the federal system, and it's a court that can also uh, accept uh, cases out of state court systems as well. Uh, and so it is supposed to be the ultimate arbiter, the ultimate referee for disputes of one kind or another, including especially constitutionally based disputes that that uh, surface and that uh, have been appealed uh, through that hierarchy up to the Supreme Court. And so for, as I said, for most of its history, uh, the court uh, lived up to that. Uh, I mean certainly there were periods where critics, especially from one side of the aisle or the other would be unhappy about what what the court was doing. Uh, for instance, there were times where where the court was uh, accused of being too activist that rather than uh, being that referee on uh, legal matters that it was actually, uh, establishing the law that it was making law mm-hmm. and and critics uh jumped on that of, of course uh there were Defenders of that approach as well uh who liked the idea of of the court making things right of of looking at a situation of looking at the nation and and what it needed and in conjunction with what the Constitution, uh, allows for or doesn't allow for of of making rulings that would in some cases establish new law of of uh, adjusting the law, if you will, of of seeing the law and and even the Constitution itself as somewhat fluid in that it can a- a adapt to varying conditions. Uh, some would say that the founders, purposefully wrote the Constitution in a somewhat uh, loose, general way so that very thing could happen. And yet we have uh, a a group of people, a a, a movement even, in some cases, uh, who are opposed to that, who think that the Constitution is uh, carved in granite. And that it's uh, not only its words, but its interpretation should remain unchanged. And that really uh, is uh, a major element of of my book, this notion of whether the Constitution is uh, fixed or if it's fluid. Yes. And and
1: and in uh, I don't know, I mean, you know, I don't want to talk personal stuff, but is 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 both is. Are they both right? Could they both be right? That that were the founders so, so looking ahead, I guess, what I'm trying to think about is, are they looking so far into the future and going, yeah, but what if this, what if that? No, let's just make it general. And then as the time goes on, they can kind of form and mold it yeah. to wherever they are in the centuries or whatever is that possible?
2: Oh, absolutely it's possible and and in fact there is a school of thought that that adopts those those uh, sorts of of beliefs. Uh you know what these two schools of thought uh that that we're talking about uh one is called originalism, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Probably fairly self-explanatory that that yeah. this is this is a group of people who who take that point of view of the Constitution being carved in stone and that uh, that it's inflexible, that it's uh, not adjustable, and that even today it should be interpreted as the founders intended uh there are <laughs> there are significant points of criticism of that approach, however, including, how in the world do we know exactly what they intended they they yeah. the founders okay right. Right. Uh, there there isn't a, a, an extensive record whatsoever about that some hints here and there sure but but there's not an extensive record and in fact there's just as much of a record to the contrary that what they intended was that fluid, flexible sort of, sort of approach. So, so we have the originalists on one side and then the other uh, approach uh, is commonly referred to as living constitutionalism, that you, you see the constitution and its various parts as a living document uh, that even though its words don't change, aside from the rare amendment, that uh, that the, the law and the interpretation of the Constitution can and arguably should change with the times. That we are not living in the same kind of era in so many ways, uh, technologically, Uh, To to name just one, Uh, you know, as as the founders lived, and heck, I mean, you know, even twenty five years ago, uh, things were a lot different than Mm -hmm. than they are now. And so some some would say that uh, you know how we see the law, how we see the Constitution, should adapt with those times. Uh, still, of course, respecting the document and mm-hmm. and uh, and not um, uh, you know bucking the, the the system, you know, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but to adapt the wheel, you know, maybe right. add another yeah. spoke or two to the yeah. wheel every now yeah. and then, or remove yeah. a spoke or two. <laughs> right, right, right. And 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 you mentioned that you you
1: you go in depth or not in depth or do you in your book about this
2: or do you touch on it oh it's it's a major element uh of of the book okay. and um uh you know uh, among the things that i look at as i said the the focus is primarily or at least in part on on the current court yeah. uh at least as it was at the end of of uh the term that ended in June of 2022 okay and uh, and so there there is uh you know one of the things I look at is just as there is a divide, you know the polarization that I refer to in the yeah. sub uh just as there is a divide in the nation and I look at that uh to to begin the book uh that same kind of divide exists on the Supreme Court. And and for many of of the same reasons. And so we get uh, currently a six to three divide amongst the nine justices on the Supreme Court, uh, with six of them being originalists Mm. and, and the other three being living constitutionalists. And so there, there is that divide. But when you have uh, what's referred to as a supermajority of six, then they typically get their way. Um, you know, they're they're going to outvote the other three right, on a consistent right. basis, and that and that especially happens on what we might call the uh, politically charged, uh, politically infused uh, cases that they deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And
1: just that alone, if, if, (laughs) if, if the title doesn't get you, what you just said really would drive people to want to, to find out more about your book. Because, because I think once you get into it and you can, you can be, is it okay? Look, Is it okay to be on the fence with being an originalist or um, a living? uh, What do you call it? To to keep moving because because I, I I tend to look at today's world, and go, maybe that doesn't fit now. Maybe that needs to change a little bit. But, but, but it cannot fit in a political realm. It has to be that that balance of power. In my, esti- my humble estimation, and I only know well, not much, right? But it seems to me that nobody these days can be in the middle. You either are with something or you're We're against, against something. And if you're against something or if you're with them, Then it's all bets are off. We're no longer friends. We're no longer sitting Mm -hmm. at the same table. No longer holidays together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, What what was your thought? Okay, first of all, how how did you get into writing your book? What what gave you the idea?
2: Sure, sure. Uh, if, if I can, I, I'll, I'll get to that in one second. If, yeah. I could, if I could, please. I just want to respond to to what you just said about yes. being in the middle. Uh, I, I agree with you completely. We are clearly in an age of extremes and extremism, and um, it, 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 as you say, it's it's difficult to imagine that that someone can be uh, in the middle, as you put it. Uh, and, and i look you know i i apply that uh you know as we're talking here and and apply that to the supreme court uh the topic of of my book and and that exact same thing has happened there uh, especially in the supermajority of 6 uh there is significant uh extremism there uh and and we'd like to think that you know we talked about how the Supreme Court used to be, even not all that long ago, relatively speaking, uh, and that was uh, an era we might say of moderation, okay, where uh, where you could have that middle of the road stance, where where you're you're okay with compromise, you're okay with yeah. you know you, you give me a little bit here and I'll give you a little bit there. Uh, and uh, it it arguably produced a much more uh, sane <laughs> and, and a much better brand of of law that we could uh, you know that, that we could follow that we could a- agree to uh, rather than uh, uh, being a catalyst for anger and, and, and vitriol, which which we we see now.
0: It Um, seems like compromise, which is a really good thing, is now seen as a sign of weakness in anything you put it in. You know, it's the same rational thing to make compromises about stuff, you know, not not to be a doormat to people. But there are times when you have to do that. But nowadays it's like, oh, you're a weakling. You're a coward. You don't stand up for what you believe in. When you want, when you want to be a rational person, and that's on both sides of the buy. I'm a libertarian, so I think, well, you know, liberal tears and you know conservative tears both taste awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, I I, I couldn't ag- agree more. Uh, and, and again, uh, just to bring it to you know what we're talking about here today is you know we we see this on the Supreme Court and. One might think, well, gee, the, the, if you're saying this about the Supreme Court, that that sounds like it's it's not so much an institution of justice any longer; it's an institution of politics. Well, guess what? That's exactly my conclusion in this book: that the court has transformed into a political institution. It, in many ways, it's no different than uh, than the uh, institution. Across the street in Washington D.C. at the U.S. Capitol, it's it's a it's an institution that that is political first and foremost, and really, um, and and not to get away from your your previous question too much here, but uh, you know you can go to the selection process of justices. You know they're nominated by a politician. Their uh, hearings are conducted in front of politicians it's a political process uh, replete with political theater. Mm. Uh, no wonder the Supreme Court has become a political institution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so so part of what I ultimately uh, in the book recommend is uh, thinking of ways and considering ways that can depoliticize the court to bring it back to uh, an age of, of more moderation.
1: What, what would it take for people, because it seems like the people are no longer in power, per se, I think, um, because politicians, they'll, they'll tell you anything they, they want to to get into power. And then once they're there, it's like, oh, I can't, I'm not, I can't, I can't, and all these, all these, all these uh, excuses of why they can't do something well i didn't know what it was going to be like when i got into office i had the greatest of intentions what can people do to to change is there anything anybody can do to to change the 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 court system the supreme court anything
2: <laughs> well uh i mean ultimately it's it's going to be uh in part the, the will of the people uh we'd like to think and and i'm i'm still i mean you know c- c- call me naive but i'm i'm still an optimist <laughs> with with those sorts of things right. but but the, the will of the people as uh conveyed through our congressional representatives uh so you know in part it comes down therefore to the power of the vote uh yeah. you know and you know we we know election after election the percentage of americans who actually vote is uh, uh pathetically low <laughs> to be perfectly yeah, honest yeah. about um yeah. you know if, if if people have uh desires um, you know in the political realm uh it it needs to be uh, conveyed through through the vote Uh, And so uh, one of my points is, therefore, that that Congress, both the House and the Senate can be players in in how uh, the court is uh, structured. I mean, certainly they're all the Senate is already a player in whether a nominee is confirmed or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so but in terms of reforms of the court, you know, there has been talk, for example, of term limits. Right now, a Supreme Court justice, uh, once confirmed, is on the court for life. Or yeah.
0: Why in- is that? I've always wondered why is that? Because if I add to it, someone who comes on the court, and like we said, with the Constitution being a living, breathing document, you know, someone who comes on the court in the seventies, you know, they're gonna have that certain point of view mm. when it comes to things, and how is that gonna work? You know, in the 90s, you know, I'm just giving an example right, because right. of that. I mean, of course, we weren't today, but that was just my time frame to give like the yeah. the vast differences.
2: Well, I, I think the, the incredible irony is that lifetime uh, appointments were established in an effort to insulate the justices from politics, and for a time, it, for, because, for example, they they don't have to worry about being reappointed or re-nominated right, right. or re or re-elected in any okay,
0: way. Okay.
2: And uh, and and for that reason, uh, I, I think that was the the basis of of the idea, and it was at least moderately successful for right. a long time, but. As I say, the irony now is that those lifetime appointments are actually at the core of the politicization of the Supreme Court. Yeah. It is why it has become so political. Is because the people there now, uh, and again, I I feel the need to emphasize, especially in that supermajority of six, uh, feel uh, insulated from any kind of accountability. Mm. Uh, not only in the kinds of decisions they make uh, in their opinions on the court, uh, not only in things like the decisions of which cases to accept right, to be right. heard oh. in the first place, which is we- a, major, a major element that, that shouldn't be overlooked, is oh. they, they have the power to decide which cases they hear and which they don't.
1: Oh, okay. Actually, to enter... Oh, I had no... Okay, I had no idea they I thought everything that went to the Supreme Court went through the Supreme Court. But now figuring maybe probably because hundreds of thousands of cases go to the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. then then they get to pick and choose. That's interesting.
2: And not only that, let me add one more (laughs) uh, uh, element to that. They can. In effect, say we're not going to hear this case now but appeal to us again in another year or two oh, and maybe we'll hear it then and why would they want to delay it because the membership of the court will have changed by mm. then okay uh-huh. and they can get the they can get the the necessary votes to to win which of course you know and and therein lies another issue right. is why are the justices, before they've even heard a court, heard a case, before they've even read a brief, why are they already thinking about winning a case and being and and making sure that a, mm-hmm. a, a case comes out in a particular way? Uh, you know, if if that doesn't uh, send concern waves <laughs> through everybody, I'm it's not to sure me, it's w- when w- you're what in- will.
0: When you're at this level, it's not like a local lawyer going, I want to win the case. It should be, (laughs) you know, making the right decision for the country, not like, you know, hey, we're going to win the pennant this year because we made this right choice. To me, I didn't realize the importance of the Supreme Court till I was at, this is going to make me such a nerd, a bigger nerd than what I am. <laughs> In the 90s, when video games were brought before the Supreme Court, and I, my favorite Supreme Court justice, just Salia, just made the case that, you know, video games should be respected as an art form just as, you know, traditional art movies music and so on so that's when i was like you know what the supreme court does kind of do good things once in a while and i lived in dc at the time so i was around a lot of that stuff Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah,
2: well and and in fact um this hasn't come up yet but uh the, the first amendment is where my expertise primarily lies and and that in fact, was a First Amendment case. Yeah. It, uh, b- video games were seen as as a as a mode of expression, and therefore, uh, Justice Scalia, as you said, was was very much on the side of of protecting that First Amendment right uh, to those games, even so called controversial games that uh that contained uh violence or if you
0: saw night trap, trap the game that caused it you would laugh yourself to tears <laughs> oh the game is known for being so stupid and it was a joke in the gaming community even at the time that wait this is the game that <laughs> they're going to, this is the hill the politicians <laughs> want to yeah. die on night mm-hmm. trap
1: mm-hmm interesting so so they can so they can literally steer the next generation and generations into their political views and and then once they change something like that does that become a precedence
2: Well, uh, yes, although you probably detected a bit of hesitation in in my voice, uh, it does become a precedent, absolutely. The question then becomes is how ironclad is a precedent? Uh, There was a line of thinking that uh, the answer to that question is, you know, pretty darn ironclad. Uh, that once something is established in the law, it, it is, it is set and that, uh, the courts and especially the United States Supreme Court ought to respect that. Mm-hmm. That said in the, in the 21, term that I focus on in my book, we see examples of the court saying, uh, no to precedent that in spite of the fact of this uh, area of law having been decided, for example, for almost 50 years, we're going to change course because right. we we think now is the, t- is the time to do that. And in fact, uh, now was also the time where they had the votes on the court to be able to do it. The the case that I'm referring to is the Dobbs abortion case. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we had we had a precedent in place for 49 years. And this, too, by the way, is is an example of the court having previously chosen not to hear a case quite yet. But let's wait a year or two. And we'll hear it. And what were they waiting for? They were waiting for Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to leave the court, either through retirement or death. Uh, sadly, it was the latter yeah. that forced her uh, uh, off off the court, and uh, and she was replaced with uh, someone, Amy Coney Barrett, whose uh, ideology was far is far far to the right of what Justice Ginsburg's was. Yeah, yeah.
1: Is is that one of the reasons or actually now I'm putting words into your mouth. What were what were some were, were there anything in particular where you decided to write a book now about about this time period in our constitution?
2: Yeah, thanks for asking that again. I'm glad glad we got back to that. This um this project uh began uh without this particular end in mind. Uh, it first began as uh, an analysis of polarization and tribalization in the country as a whole. Mm. Oh, uh, it, it, th- th- Those are some areas where I had done some, some previous work, some previous writing. And so I was going to expand on that and you know, do a lot of research, a lot of reading and and see where that might take me, what ideas I could come up with uh that I would want to want to write about. And uh the end point also initially was not necessarily a book. In fact, a book was was not what I had in mind. Uh, I was thinking more in terms of uh you know, a paper or an article that would appear in in an academic journal, uh, which is something that I and people like me do frequently. Um, but as I got into this, um number one, I was overwhelmed by the topic of, of polarization yeah. in the country as a whole. It was just, it was just too much. I, w- I would have to spend the rest of my life uh <laughs> working on it. And even then, I'm not sure I would uh uncover any new ground. And so, uh, as as I continue to read and continue to, to research, um, I, I, I can't remember the exact moment where where there was the spark that uh, led me to to say, hey, I, I can take some of these concepts and apply them to the United States Supreme Court. I think what I am reading here, what I am seeing, uh, and and some of these specific concepts, and I'll I'll tell you about one of those in a, in a minute because it is central to the book as well, uh, would apply to the Supreme Court, and so I began investigating that, and and I concluded that yes, there there is a good application here. It, it not only does it apply, but it it helps to. Uh, you know, it, it becomes the key that unlocks the door to, I think, some new information, some new ways of of seeing the court, of understanding how it works, uh, and, and the intense and extreme influence that it has on really the lives of every American at one time or another. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know,
0: when it comes to me, I'm always, you know... The president to me, it doesn't really matter that much when you think about it. It does come down to, you know, the House, the Senate and the Supreme Court because, you know, the, the president can't get anything passed because the, the guy before him is going to try to stack the deck in favor for the, right. you know, the following term.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, One question is. So this was based on twenty twenty one to twenty two, right? How in that the, the first, how uh-huh. long did it take you to write your book? Three weeks, four weeks—that's amazing. But when did you <clears throat> when did you start the paper? Uh, and then when did it when did it become a book? Because it sounds like because you picked last year to do and to to start writing what is now your book, yes and. And with all the, I can only imagine the legal jargon, and the 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 things that you read. How in the world do you put that into something that somebody like me could understand?
2: Well, uh, so your your first question about the the length of time it took to to put this together, uh, probably from uh, the genesis of the first idea. Ah, uh, to completion, it was probably a little over a year. um and uh and that was a, a lot of that year, at least a good chunk of it was working on this full time, yeah, uh, where, where I wasn't doing uh, much of anything else because while I am a college professor, uh during that time, I was on sabbatical leave so that I could work on this right. Oh, wow. Right. Um so uh and and I'm sorry what was the, what was the other part of your question
1: Oh uh and 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 so when you started working on it um when did you decide to mm. to put it in the book and then it actually coming out because I'm sure you have to in my mind I'm not a writer in my mind it has to be like a story and a timeline or does it jump to different sections of your book talking about the odds and ends of government does that make any sense at all yeah
2: yeah of course uh the, the the opening of the book while while the the supreme court is always in focus to one extent or another the the beginning of it is uh more of a general look at polarization uh in in the country and, and 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 some of what you know some of the uh results of that some of the causes of it a, a, and so forth and then there there is there's a gradual uh, uh uh transformation i guess we could say in the book to the supreme court specifically uh so so the book sort of takes the same path that I did in my mind as the project was was coming together. I started from general and went to specific, and 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 the book uh, ultimately does that too. With with the last, um, oh, gee, I don't know, maybe two thirds of the book uh, specifically focused on on the Supreme Court and and what's what's going on with it. So um, you know, I I had these ideas. Uh, I I would, I would pursue them. Uh, and a, as I did, you know, there, there were some uh, moments of epiphany, <laughs> frankly, where I was like, oh my goodness, I, you know, I hadn't thought of something in this particular way, but I was able to put a couple of different concepts together and, and produce this new grain of knowledge, if, if you will, and so i you know the, the supreme court term was was underway i'm i'm thinking of you know we're talking about january february of 2022 and uh and i knew the, the the cases that they had either already uh dealt with in oral arguments uh or were about to and that would uh result in opinions uh later in the year and usually you know, as I talked about earlier, these politically charged uh, cases usually are, the decisions on them are usually released at the very end of the term, uh, mid to late June. And so I basically had everything lined up and ready to go, uh, waiting for those rulings to be issued uh, and expecting them to come out in a particular way, but of course, wanting to be flexible in case there were some surprises.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: there were not any surprises. They came out exactly (laughs) as I thought they would. All of them, six to three rulings, the same six in the majority, the same three Uh, that were the the dissenters. But what I still had to do was uh, uh, track down the actual official opinions from the court, not just of the court, but even the concurring opinions, the dissenting opinions, and really dissect those and utilize those uh, to help make the the kinds of points that I had ultimately wanted to. Wow, wow. That's a lot of
0: work. Oh, that is a lot of work. And I'm sure it's a lot of frustrating stuff, like, why are they so childish when they're going <laughs> over everything?
2: Hey, the, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was I was just going to agree that that yes, there are there are all of those sorts of elements. Yeah, yeah. Uh
1: and you really have to you and I I tell you, so obviously you had mentioned that that you focus on the first amendment, which is free speech, correct? Yes. And, and um, so you really, you, you have a mind frame and a mindset where I find it fascinating that you, you thought ahead and maybe it's just me. Cause I, again, I'm not a writer, but you did, you thought ahead of, of what you needed and what you were waiting for to actually wrap up your book in a way where it's, it sounds like a very well-rounded book. I I tell you, um, what, what are some of your, oh, I, and I know, you know, in our communication back and forth, but we, we, we kind of like, do you have your book in front of you by chance? I do. Would you would you like to read like a little excerpt? And I I'm, I'm sorry, just throwing this on you um, to surprise, but um, we we like to hear a little bit of of whatever our guest has of uh, like music. And in your case, you know, an excerpt from your book. Um, I find it very fascinating that that people are so creative in different ways, right? Yeah. I find it really really fascinating um gosh joseph you're you're pretty amazing
2: well you're here thank you thank you very much um yeah if you want me to to read uh i i certainly can it's uh a bit of a challenge to to pick out uh, a little passage here but i I've, I've come up with one i i uh, i haven't committed it to memory you'll have to forgive me so I'm okay. okay. not sure exactly what lies ahead but <laughs> but uh, i'm i'm glad this i'm glad to share it with me. you Perfect. The, 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 this is near near the very end of the book it's, it's it's not the end but but it's near the end so i write uh, as suggested the solution to the problems i've been outlining is straightforward, though not easily accomplished, depolitization. When politics is not only allowed, but also encouraged, the court becomes not merely a political institution, but one that loses its way, straying from its purpose. Under a regime of politics, worldview and constitutional approach are magnified with their various traits forced to the surface. Joustian bargains are made with politicians in robes who, from their nominations onward, are expected to bring about specific results and, in some cases, are happy to fulfill those expectations. The Supreme Court may retain the moniker of court of last resort, but for growing numbers of people, that signifies despair, not hope. The story of the 20th century American constitutional law was one of bringing people who were previously excluded into the fold. It was always known that the movement had its dissidents. Now, it seems that while still a majority of American society, they are a majority on the nation's highest court. Wow.
1: And and that really sums up what we've been talking about. And, And obviously sums up your book. But, um, gosh, Joseph, you're absolutely again, absolutely amazing. Um, before we wrap up, what, what is this your first book?
2: No, no, I, I've. Uh, this is my sixth, actually.
0: Oh, six! Wow. Okay. What were the and, others on? Yeah. I beg your pardon. What were the other books on?
2: Uh, they are all on. Uh. Law, uh, First Amendment issues, uh, a, a field called mass communication law. Uh, that that's uh, a, a course, uh, for example, that that I teach uh, in my university professor role. Uh, so things of that nature.
1: Oh, okay. oh gosh. Also now mass now mass communication. Yeah, very interesting. Sorry for cutting you off, Eric. But I have to ask mass communication law, that's entertainment law. Absolutely. Oh,
2: okay.
1: oh I don't know. Should we should we should we t- should I take a chance mm-hmm. and ask about strike stuff? Uh, the the what's going on? And 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 I'm I'm not putting you in any kind of position if you would well okay what, hold what's that the, for the sequel right right if if you would like to what is the what is the uh order in the court order in the court do not ask that question order in the court.
0: <laughs> you're you're in consent right now that, Larry. that's right yeah that's
2: okay. yeah I, I i may have to invoke that
1: okay 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 <laughs> and and you know honestly and and I, Eric and I aren't lawyers, but sitting on the on the outside looking in, and I was a part of SAG, and sitting on the outside looking in, I agree, I agree with both sides. I get it. As as a business owner, you have a bottom line, and you have to make this bottom line as an actor, as a performer, you have to have a bottom line. And if the owner isn't able to pay it's just it's amazing it's a mess it's a mess i i do believe ai is is probably one of the ruinations of the world if it continues to go that way
0: Cameron told us about this 30 years ago people (laughs) isaac asimov told us about (laughs) it 50 years ago more no more than 50 years ago
1: and, and who's that sir or sir Isaac Newton didn't know Isaac Asimov
0: he no, wrote know. you know his books are all about the five laws of robotics man am I coming oh. out as a giant nerd more than what I am on this show
1: well Joe well, you I,
2: you guys have me at, a, at an extreme disadvantage here not 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 in nerdness I don't mean to, to say that but <laughs> but but I uh, I have to say what, what you're getting into is uh more of labor law. And, ah. and and that's uh, where I, uh, among the many areas where I have no expertise.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. All right.
2: Perfect. Fair enough.
1: Fair enough.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, you know, Joseph, again, we really want to thank you for coming on the show. Links will be in the description of where you could purchase it. And hey, everybody listening, if me and Larry could understand it, anyone could understand exactly. this so please definitely look into it and i know like a lot of you myself included you are just burnt out and bitter towards politics but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be interested because hey if something like video games could be before there then could be taken away from you anything has the chance of being taken away from you so register the vote and I know usually when people talk about that they mean vote for my person I could care less who you vote for just make sure you register and are active politically because then you can't complain right um right. and like and as we again Joseph thank you and the main reason why you should vote everybody is because of what I always close our show with support our troops. There are 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds dying, so you can make a choice. Have a great week, everybody.